Well, good morning again to you. And uh, today we are going to talk about darkness. That's right, we're going to talk about darkness. And of course, uh, for those of you who are now grown up, you can think back to being a kid. And most of us, when nighttime came, what happened? We were afraid of the dark. Uh, we were afraid of the dark. And of course, it's one of those things that, as we thought about, we just go, you know, one day, maybe I'll just grow out of this, right? We want to grow out of being afraid of the dark. But what happens when the lights suddenly go out, uh, when it's pitch black, completely dark. You can't see a thing. You aren't even sure where you are or where God is. What does it look like to pray in the dark? Well, that's what Psalm 88 is all about, and that's the psalm that we're going to be in this morning. And before we hear this part of God's Word, uh, let's go to Him in prayer. Well, Lord God Almighty, uh, once again we do uh, come to You to hear from You. Uh, and we ask, uh, please, open us to Your Word and open Your Word to us. And shine the light of Your truth and grace into the dark places of our hearts in lives, that we might live with hope in you. Amen. Again, what does it look like to pray in the dark? We'll hear now the Word of God. Psalm 88, a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah to the choir master. According to Mahalath Leonoth, a maskil of Haman the Ezraite. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles. And my life draws near to shale, near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror repulsive to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord, I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon, in the land of destruction? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O oh Lord, I cry to you, 
In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Oh, Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why, why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Darkness is my only companion. And this is God's Word. Yes, this is God's Word. His life-giving Word. And yet, not surprisingly, this psalm has been called the saddest psalm in the Bible. In fact, it's the only psalm with no explicit statement of confidence or hope in God. And clearly, if we would summarize Psalm 88 with just one word, clearly that word is darkness. Uh, and literally, in the Hebrew text, the last word is darkness. And so, as you could feel it as I, as I read through it, this is a weighty psalm for sure. And what we're going to do this morning is, is we consider Psalm 88, is, is we're going to look at it in 3D, uh, three dimensions of the psalm. Uh, its breadth, its depth, its height. Uh, its breadth, the breadth of human brokenness in that all people experience pain and suffering. Uh, its depth, uh, the depth of human brokenness experienced in extreme darkness and despair by many. Its height, the height of hope and healing in the face of our very real pain and suffering. Breadth, depth, height, that's where we're headed. And so first, breadth. The breadth of human brokenness in that all people experience pain and suffering. Uh, verse 3, my soul is full of troubles. And if we're honest, that is all of us at some point. I mean, all have experienced disappointment, loss, anxiety, worry. All of us have experienced these times when our soul is full of troubles, I remember being on the phone with a friend and fellow pastor, having a, a great conversation about what, was God, what God was doing in and around us, and then all of a sudden, he said, hey, a baby just died in our church. I just got a text. I, I got to go, man. Please pray. And I just sat there stunned. You know, I mean, just, just like that, my soul is full of troubles, well, you know, one of the great things about the Bible is that it is honest. The Bible doesn't give a, a sanitized version of life. Uh, Dr. Tim Lane notes, that's one of the most refreshing things about the Bible. It's severely honest. I mean, when you think about it, the Bible is filled with stories of murder, rape, famine, Disease, judgment, depression, conflict, war, betrayal, adultery, theft, corruption, suffocating fear. 
Now, of course, those things aren't pleasant to read about. But if you think about it, it can be comforting. It can be comforting because it's extremely helpful to know that the Bible deals with the world as we experience it, as we know it. That God's Word gets us. Or or rather, that God gets us. He sees us. He understands. What that means is that we will never experience anything so dark and difficult that God doesn't understand. But this is the question. Like the psalmist, are we able to be severely honest with God? I mean, though your own experience of darkness may not be as intense, are you able to be honest with God like this? Truly honest. When when facing dark and difficult experiences, do you question whether or not God welcomes severe honesty? How, How you're really doing, how you're really experiencing life, how you really feel? Or do you think instead that you've got to exhibit uh, some kind of unwavering faith before God and others? uh, That that we're supposed to be shiny, happy people that have it all together as, as the true expression of the victorious life. I mean, isn't honesty one of the great gifts of the victorious life? We'll come back to that. Because here's another question. Are we, individually and collectively, are are we a safe place for those in the midst of darkness and difficulty? Are are we willing to step into the dark places with others, to stand with them in it, even when we feel completely helpless? So, on, on occasion, I listen to a podcast called The Darknet Diaries. True stories from the dark side of the internet. And so it basically takes you on a, on a journey in each episode through the, the chilling world of hacking, uh, data breaches, cybercrime, all those things that help you fall asleep at night. But I, I, I was listening to this recent uh, episode, uh, and it was about helping companies with their, their cybersecurity. And, and the, the guest expert said something that totally uh, caught me off guard, but was just spot on. He said this. It's not so much that darkness is scary because it's dark, but more so because you're alone. And you know, that, that's, that's what I love so much about what, what Gwen just shared just a few moments ago with, with regard to our growing a shepherding ministry. You know, that, that we step in to the dark places with one another so that we don't have to be alone. Walking together side by side. You know, so, so much of the time we think that, that, that people are in, in, in one of two camps. There's, there are those who have it all together and those who don't. And yet none of us have it all together. I mean, we can get our act together, but it's still just an act, right? None of us have it all together. It is God who holds us together. But the only way that we can grow, that we can become this safe place for one another, for others' darkness and difficulty, for our own, is to be honest about our lives. To, to grow as this kind of safe place where it's okay 
to struggle. Psalm 88 is an invitation to honesty, an invitation to severe honesty, because darkness touches all of our lives. Okay, so that's a bit about the breadth of Psalm 88. Uh, Let's now go deeper. Uh, Let's talk about depth. Uh, The depth of human brokenness experienced in extreme darkness and despair. Let me uh, highlight a few of those places in Psalm 88. Uh, Verses 4 and 5, I am counted among those who go down to the pit, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those you, God, like those you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. Uh, Verses 8 and 9, I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Uh, verse 14, O oh God, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Uh, verse 16, uh, Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. Uh, verse 18, uh, You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. In fact, my companions, my only companions have become darkness. Darkness, desperation, despair. Uh, Some of you have experienced these depths of pain and suffering. Now, some of you may be in the midst of them right now. And others of you will experience these depths in the future. Well, wherever you are right now, do you hear the raw honesty of the psalmist? I mean, if you're paying attention, you can hear there are accusations against God, a sarcasm and mocking questions, and all in the midst of crying out to Him for deliverance. Are we that honest with God, truly honest with Him when life feels unbearable? Biblical scholar Derek Kidner says this, and and this is so helpful to hear. He states, The very presence of such honest prayer in Scripture is a witness to God's understanding of us, for He knows how we speak when we are desperate and truly honest. In other words, God is not surprised by anything, including severe honesty. He already knows our hearts, but do we feel free to express them? And He invites us to do so, to come out of hiding, to be honest about our struggles and sorrows. Okay, something else we see about depth in Psalm 88 is this. We see that deep darkness can last a very long time. You know, I don't know if, if, if like me, so much of the time you read a psalm and you just kind of think maybe this was just written in one sitting, but it'd be a mistake to assume that this psalm was, was written just, just all at once. You know, think about many of the great songs and books. It's very likely that this psalm could have taken years to write. I mean, in fact, the psalmist expresses pain and sorrow that has lasted for decades uh, since his youth, as it says in verse 15. 
A deep darkness can last a very long time. So I think of my good friend Scott, uh, my best friend from college, someone that I have uh, shared about uh, before. Uh, we, we met uh, freshman year. We've known each other now for then many, many years, a long time. And he's given me permission, permission to talk about our friendship and also to talk about his darkness. Uh, Scott is a, a committed believer. He, he serves as a, a professor at, a, at a, lead, a leading Christian university up in Michigan. And Scott also experiences seasons of intense darkness. Uh, he's had at least six major bouts with extreme depression, uh, so much so that they lasted month after month after month, and, and, and many times including hospitalization. Uh, like the psalmist here, Scott has experienced deep despair even unto death, okay, wondering if God has turned away from him, if God has abandoned him has destined him to be damned forever. Okay, it has been that dark for Scott. And he once texted me this message. Psalm 88. That's exactly how I feel when I'm depressed. Seriously. I could have written it myself. Uh, next to my wife, Heather, Scott has taught me more about the gospel than anyone else, uh, taught me about God's grace and true faith in the midst of deep pain and suffering. And, and what I, I've seen in Scott and what I've learned from Psalm 88 is articulated so well uh, by one theologian. And this is really essential to hear whether you experience deep darkness or you know others who do. In fact, this, this might be the most important truth for you to hear this morning. The faith expressed in this psalm cannot be separated from the faith that's expressed in the rest of God's book. And it helps those who pray it to see that faith can be real, even when it cannot arrive at strong hope after much prayer. Do you hear that? Faith can be real, genuine, authentic, even when it cannot arrive at strong hope after much prayer. Friends, the Bible affirms the faith of Psalm 88 as being real faith in the midst of real life. And, and as I've journeyed with Scott through these valleys of deep darkness over the years, what I've, I've come to understand is, as one of my seminary professors put it, is this. Health, true health for us here and now. Uh, health is not the absence of pain and suffering, but a commitment to reality. Health is not the absence of pain and suffering, but a commitment to reality. Okay, both the reality of my brokenness and need, and also the reality of God's redemptive work. Because pain and suffering are very real. And so is God's redemptive work in the midst of it. 
And so that's a look at the depth of Psalm 88. We'll end by looking up. We'll end with height. The height of hope and healing in the face of our pain and suffering. So as I, as I pointed out earlier, Psalm 88 is, is the only psalm that has no explicit statement of confidence or hope in God. But it's there. Oh, it's there. And if we look close enough, we'll see it. For starters, notice that the psalmist isn't merely complaining. He is complaining, yes, but he's also actually praying. He is engaging with God, again, with a severe honesty. Uh, he, he cries out, verse 1, O Lord, God of my salvation. Verse 9, every day I call upon you, O Lord. Now, verses 13 and 14, O Lord, I cry to you. He's engaged with God. Not happy, but he's engaged with God nonetheless. And each time, in each of those phrases that, that I read, each time you see the name Lord in small caps, if you remember, that is referring to the personal name of God. And so the psalmist is calling out to the God who is personal and clinging to him even when he can't see him. Another place to look is the title, uh, the, the, the introduction, the introductory remarks, which, of course, that, that's why I read them. Uh, a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah, a maskil of Haman the Ezraite. So the author's name is Haman, Haman the Ezraite. And history tells us that Haman was a pioneer and leader of the sons of Korah. Uh, the sons of Korah were one of the singing guilds established by King David to lead God's people in worship. And their psalms are viewed by many as, as being some of the richest in the Psalter and even as some of the greatest literature in world history. Okay, do you see where this is going? This supposedly God-forsaken author and worship leader wrote a psalm, a psalm of deep darkness and despair that is included in the worship book for God's people, that is used in corporate and private worship of God. In other words, God put this psalm into the prayer book for His people to be sung and prayed as a part of honest, authentic worship. And why? Well, because God intends the darkest of human laments to be expressed alongside the brightest of human hopes. You see, the mess of human misery is welcome in the place of mysterious, glorious grace. Tim Blaine says there is no psalm that more powerfully communicates, come, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, Come to me as you are, with all your doubt and fear, pain and discouragement. Hold before me your shattered hopes and dreams, and find in me redemption and rest, even when it seems there is none to be found. Don't hesitate because your heart is weak and your mind confused. Don't hesitate because you've questioned my goodness and love. 
Come just as you are. For my sacrifice is for you just as you are. Come just as you are. For my sacrifice is for you just as you are. And so do you see what's happening here? Psalm 88 is ultimately pointing us to Jesus. Because the profound reality for us today is, is that we can clearly see what was still veiled to the people of God when the Psalms were written. I mean, we can see the cross. We can look back to the cross. And on the cross, Jesus took the consuming darkness of sin and death upon himself so that it would not ultimately consume us. Jesus took Psalm 88 upon himself so that darkness would not be the last word in our story. In the words of another pastor, when you suffer, you may be completely in the dark about the reason for your own suffering. But the cross tells you what the reason is not. It can't be that God doesn't love you. It can't be that He has no plan for you. It can't be that He has abandoned you. The cross proves that He loves you and that He understands what it means to suffer. Because you see, Jesus took the ultimate darkness of God's wrath. And since He took the abandonment we deserve, we can know that God will never abandon us. He is here with us even when we can't feel Him at all. And the point is this. In your suffering, in your, in your places of pain, fear, doubt, uncertainty, you are not alone. Never. Well, let me end with this. Uh, some of you in, in past summers have served with short-term missions teams, uh, bringing, the, bringing the gospel to bear to the Cherokee na Nation in western North Carolina. And, and while there, the Cherokee people sometimes tell of the, the Cherokees' youth, youth's rite of passage. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that each male uh, youth is taken into the forest by his father, uh, he is blindfolded, uh, sits on a stump, and the father leaves him there alone. Uh, the boy is, is required to sit on the stump all night without removing the blindfold until the very first rays of the morning sun. Uh, he cannot cry out for help, and should he survive the night, he cannot tell anyone of his experience. Well, naturally, the boy is terrified. I mean, he can hear all kinds of noises, wild animals around him, the strong wind blowing through the trees. But he sits still, scared and unable to see. And finally, finally, after that long, horrific, dark night, finally the sun appears and he removes the blindfold. And it is then, and only then, that he sees his father sitting 
on the stump next to him, where he had been watching over his son all night, protecting him from any harm. Well, friends, we often sit on a stump, feeling alone in the darkness, fearful, hurting, unable to see. But the truth is, we are not alone. Never. The Good Shepherd is with us. Even when we cannot sense His presence, the Good Shepherd laid down His life for us, His sheep. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil, for you, Jesus, are with me. And where is the Good Shepherd leading us? Well, He's leading us home, where one day we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And friends, that day is coming, when death and darkness will be no more. When life and light will reign forever. That day is coming, which gives true hope for us in this day. And so, brothers and sisters, no matter how dark it gets in your life, remember, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so cling to Jesus and continually cry out to Him, even and especially in the dark. Amen? Let's pray. Oh Lord, how we thank You. We thank You for this dark psalm that expresses so clearly our deepest pains and suffering, and that also shines light into our hearts. And we ask now that you would fill us with hope today as we wait, as we wait for the end of all darkness and the fullness of restoration and healing to come. And we cry out, even now, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.